Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tuesdays mean the best half hour of the week. Tuesdays with Neil. Sir, welcome. It absolutely is the best half an hour of the week. Uh, in the first post-week NFL half an hour. As always, it's great to be here. Well, let's start with, obviously, the big news of the week. The Aaron Rodgers injury four plays in to his tenure with the New York Jets. Just what ran through your mind as you watched it all play out last night? Because when he went down and I saw the replay, the first thing I thought was that might be an Achilles. Um, <laughs> you want me to be honest? My uh, my initial reaction is my night just got a lot longer, um, and, it, and it certainly did. Um, I thought the exact same thing. Um, I'm not a doctor, and I didn't diagnose or anything like that, but that wasn't an extreme hit. It's not like he was rolled over. He didn't get a sense that it was broken, and his reaction was that of the veteran that knows exactly what it is, you know, and he was there. He stood up for a second. I remember it distinctly. He shook his head. Then it was as if they told him to, to get down because they'll, they'll come and look at him. And we didn't see him again. So it, it was, I felt um, very telling. If you've watched a, a lot of uh, football games, you get kind of a sense of what certain injuries uh, or general um, concept injuries will will look like. Like this is going to be something to do with the knee. This is a hamstring. Um, with that, it kind of just seemed like Achilles. From what I've heard of it, it it's typically not going to be as painful as like a, a, a broken ankle will be. But you're not going to be able to move either, and um, not much you can do with that. And it really kind of seemed like Rogers knew. Um, he kind of flipped the ball at the defender too. It was almost like at first I was like he was that that competitive sort of, um, you know, antagonist that's in him. I kind of felt like he's upset that he just got sacked. He threw the ball. But you watch the replay knowing that he was hurt. It's like he, he knew it right when he went down. Um, you know, I've been racking my brain on this since last night. I don't think there is a comparison in sports to, to that. You know, the, the, the level of hype, everything that came with it, and the brevity of his time there. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel it was the right time to do it, but I was, you know, kind of messing around on, on pro football reference, adding up the players in Jets history who now mirror Aaron Rodgers' stats um, among the likes of Keyshawn Johnson, Wayne Corbett, um, mm-hmm. players who yeah. are 0 for 1 with a 39.6 passer rating, but none of them got sacked. So it's right. uh, it really just kind of mind blowing. Um, how how quickly it all can end, and that's what happened, unfortunately, uh, to a team that you know good things don't happen to very often. Uh, they've got an uphill climb, and they are in in many cases after a, a wild ride, exactly where they they finished last year. They're in the same spot they were in. Um, it's a good defensive team, and they certainly played like that last night. For for you know some to some degree, you really hope that. Uh, they're able to kind of overcome that, but it's hard to envision that uh, working out over another 16 games. So now let's bring this now to a league issue, because with Rodgers in play, the league puts together its TV schedule for the year. I believe the Jets were within one 
of the league maximum of nationally televised games that you are allowed. So what does this do from a league perspective? Because now the drawing card is not there. As far as we know, there won't, I mean, you know, logically, there's nothing that's going to overcome uh, the loss of Aaron Rodgers. And the story going into all of those games will be what would this have been like with Aaron Rodgers? That's unfortunate in a way because you can't really, you know, obviously you can't predict this. Um, it's hard to say that this is a terrible game to watch now that Rodgers isn't a part of it because, to be honest with you, one of the, the most entertaining football games of the week and probably will will remain that way for the rest of the season was what we watched last night between the Jets and the Bills. Uh, was it great football? No, probably not, but it was dramatic. It was entertaining. There were lots of ups and downs for both teams, uh, probably more uh, on the mistake end of things than uh, you would typically say for like a great game, but it was entertaining. And I think the Jets bring a lot of that. There's still a lot of star power in that team. Uh, the defense is fun to watch if you're into defensive football. There, there's a lot to watch with sure that. Sure is. Yep. I'm not sure how much of that you can really get past if you don't have the quarterback, and I am sure they will be flexed out of every opportunity that they have uh, to, to have that done to them. But it, it's it, it's competitive football. That's really what you hope for more than anything. They, they have a lot of explosive potential on defense. And we saw that last night. And, you know, Buffalo didn't play particularly well, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, and the Jets did the best that they can do. You really hope uh, Zach Wilson can kind of turn it around. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but they, they could be a real tough team to play if he's playing even, you know, replacement-level football where he is now. So now let's turn to the, um, uh, the movie The Fugitive where Harrison Ford is on the bus and the train is coming at them. So let's get to the Steelers 49ers game. <laughs> you just feel like you can't turn away. Okay. TJ Watt aside, it was terrific. Yeah, now there's funny. no Hayward. Now there's no Johnson. What do you think of this team? I, I thought, you know, you could make the same movie parallel to like Groundhog Day. Because to be honest yeah. with you, our conversations for the last three years now, after week one, it's exactly the same. We see the value of T.J. Watt, who had yet another brilliant week one performance. And this team's offense is so convoluted, and the operation is so sketchy. You don't know where it's going to go now. Um, this is just the year. The, the real difference is this is the year we shouldn't have this same conversation. But here we are. You know, it, it, it's it's amazing to me on the third play of a game, and yes, it is week one. There are things to iron out, but uh, veteran tight end Pat Fryermuth on the, the strong side, the left side of the offensive formation on the third snap of the game clearly did not know the snap count. Yep. Didn't seem to understand his assignment and circled around twice while four 49ers players hit the running back in the backfield that all basically came in untouched. What happened? You know, why? It, 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 I understand that there are things that happen, but it's the third play of the game. You guys have had two weeks. You should have 10, 15 plays scripted that you can run well. And if you don't believe me, 
Watch San Francisco's first 15 plays. Tell me if they made a mistake in any of them. Right, sure. Pittsburgh it consistently is like this. Now, I, I understand the stat of Matt Canada. His offenses haven't gone over 400 yards in his, his entire tenure as offensive coordinator. Um, I hear the fans complaining about where the ball is going in their passing game as if that's the only thing that matters. The problem with the Steelers' offense is they have not – exploited the continuity that they have. They've had two training camps now with Kenny Pickett. He is without question their guy. They knew that going in. Kenny Pickett has started now 13 games and three of them off the top of my head were so poor they quickly come to mind when I bring up worse starts that he's made. And Sunday was one of them. So his last start is one of his worst not a good sign um your receivers are still operating in in their own space they're not working in concert with anybody else that's a schematic issue um i think their their offense would have been vastly improved if if pickett threw the ball accurately uh he he struggled mightily with that almost to a a a cringeworthy level uh in in the nfl You, you can't miss as badly as he did as often as he did uh, but at least the defense couldn't stop water from running uphill either. Now, it, it, this is the point where we should fairly point out San Francisco is a really good team. If you want to sure watch offensive operation, look at yep. the way they executed. It was crisp, clean. They knew exactly what they were doing. And contrary to, to uh, common opinion in Pittsburgh, they're not doing anything complicated. It isn't overly creative. They just do everything the right way all the time. Uh, that's hard to stop. Pittsburgh has a, a, a knack right now of being an offense that's best skill is keeping both teams in the game. When they're down, when the pressure is against them, or they're in two-minute drill, four-minute drill, they seem to be much more successful in an effort to, to kind of come back into the game. But they're not going to ever be able to pull away from an opponent either. They, they have to have the things on, you know, kind of the same level. And it, it's, you know, I, I'm not, you know, call for somebody's job. I'm not getting into that. But it, it, there comes a point where I just, I really can't help but wonder what exactly is going on inside these meetings. What are they practicing? Because they're not crisp. They're not sharp. Uh, they don't seem to be working in concert with one another. So what, what's the plan? What are you trying to get them to do that they can't do? It, you know, it, it, I've, I've often said this wasn't a team uh, blessed with an overabundance of talent on the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years. But yeah. it, it, they're, they're not being put into a position to succeed either. And however they want to answer that or address to it, uh, the Natives are restless. I know that. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're playing a defense that, in my opinion, after watching them play, uh, the, the, the Browns are on the same level as the 49ers are defensively. They're really, really good. Um, it, this is going to be a challenge. And not going to look real good in Pittsburgh if they start off after all the hype that they had uh, from the draft into training camp into the preseason. They're starting off 0-2 with two games in which they scored seven points or less. Uh, that very well m- might happen, just all things considered from what I've seen. And now there, there's a huge improvement from week one to week two I don't want to put that in stone yet, but uh, Cleveland is at midseason defensively. They look really good. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's trouble in Pittsburgh. This is a real important week. Well, part of it, part of the job is 
seeing what your personnel is capable of and then fitting your concepts around their capabilities. So what are some of the capabilities that maybe some of these players do have that doesn't seem like it's being fit into? Well, the, the, the passing accuracy of Kenny Pickett has never been uh, a, a real hindrance. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on Pickett as if that's everything, but, you know, to defend Matt Canada from a, a results perspective, you really can't do a whole lot when your quarterback can't hit the broad side of a barn, okay? There, yeah. There's not much you can do when he can't put the ball on the money ever. Um, people are getting after Deontay Johnson for slipping or at least using that as an excuse for that interception. He didn't slip until he had to come back across his body and attempt to go over the defender to get the ball. That's when he slipped. That pass was nowhere close to where Deontay Johnson was. Contrary, and contrary to that, it was exactly where the defensive back was. Um, considering where it was, that was not a back shoulder throw. You don't miss inside on a back shoulder throw. You put that on the sideline if that's what you're doing. And they weren't close to the sideline. You know, it, it was a really bad throw, and it was a bad decision. I'm not even sure where he should have been going with that ball. Um, I hate to do this, but at the same time, it, it's impossible to see the flaws of Pickett and then look at Brock Purdy on the other side, who operated brilliantly, did exactly what he was supposed to do, didn't miss, threw a couple great passes, didn't make mistakes. That's why they won. You know, it, it, finding a game in which one quarterback – uh, it noticeably outplays the other and loses. I mean, it just doesn't happen in the NFL. Um, Pittsburgh, it, it, at, at its base level, against a team as good as San Francisco is, they're not going to win with a performance like they had from their quarterback. I don't want to say that that was everything, but you do have to evaluate the <laughs> dozen or so other plays that they ran in that game uh, under the mindset that their quarterback couldn't throw anything, and he had to throw a lot. They were down a lot early. Uh, they barely ever ran the ball. You know, Najee, Najee Harris had one run and a bunch of nothing else. Jalen Warren barely saw the field. They didn't have a chance to run or possess the ball because they couldn't complete passes. They couldn't move the sticks. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say that because it's exactly what we've said over the last two years. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like at some point here, uh, something needs to shift. That's three different quarterbacks starting in week one over three years, and none of the three of them have looked like uh, they're, they're remotely prepared to go out on the field and play the team that they're playing against. And granted, all three of those games are against very good teams. Um, they managed to win two of the three somehow. Uh, luck finally ran out, and, and they lost this year. But it, it's their quarterback play has to, to uh, improve. A, a lot, and I understand what Mike Tomlin is saying when he says this is on all of us, it was everybody. I don't disagree with that, but the most noticeable change they're going to make and what's going to benefit everybody else is a quarterback who is delivering accurate passes consistently, and they did not get that on Sunday. They have Cleveland coming up on Monday night, so America gets to see this mess for themselves. Uh, Cleveland obviously is a terrific defense. doesn't take much to say that. So from the Steelers' point of view, how important is it going to be to keep the score down to give their offense a chance? Um, it, it, it's, it's the age-old question, you know, what comes first? The, the offense dominating or the defense does one set up the other? 
the way Pittsburgh is, um, and and we have you know three seasons or two two seasons in a game of history of this now, uh, that they're not going to score a whole lot of points. They're not going to move the ball very far. Uh, that that's just the reality that we're in. Because of that, it naturally you know the, the assumption is the defense is going to have to hold a team to to twenty points or less to, to have a chance. And I think that's where they are. Uh, Cleveland, though, is one of the teams they've moved the ball on a little bit. Um, I think, and don't quote me on this, I know that there was one game they had 399 yards. So since we're not counting that, you know, close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades, I think that was against Cleveland. That's a team they've had success with. Uh, They've been able to move the ball a bit. They have, you know, because of that, they might have, a little bit of added confidence going into the game. But like I said, watch Cleveland play. Uh, Jim Schwartz has come to that team and and completely, completely overhauled what they're doing and how they're doing it. And they look tough. Uh, It's not going to be the same Browns that we've seen the last couple of years. They're, they're tough against the run and they can get after the quarterback. So it's in many ways, uh, real difficult to think the offense is going to have, a whole lot of success, if any at all, um, because this is a team that if we go down the chain of, of logic with them, they don't succeed enough on first down. That puts them behind the eight ball on second down. They lose both of those third and long. Jim Schwartz lives for third and long, and yeah. this is the perfect team for his defense. <laughs> They're going to tee off on him, on, on everybody that Pittsburgh is going to put out there. So I think in, in that regard – uh, their offense, their defense is going to have to stand on its head um, for four quarters, maybe longer than that, uh, if they have any chance at all. And you got to get a really, you have to figure out a way to get a really bad game uh, out of Cleveland's offense, which we've seen is, is certainly possible. Uh, but it, it's been a talented team the last couple of years. We've known that uh, they, they have the ability. If this is them putting it together, or if it's just a fluke, uh, one week we'll, we'll find out Monday. Always the best half hour of the week, my friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.